Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Hello, welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, episode number 60. Ooh, 60. We're getting yeah, up there. We are. We will. Five uh, more and we can retire. Five more and we can retire. <laughs> if we were sure. like in a normal corporate position. <laughs> You're horrendous. <laughs> yes. That took seven seconds for Charlie. That was good. He's an orange goose. Anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, welcome to episode 60. You started that. I mean, there might be an orange goose one day. We'll see oh, what happens. So yeah. Well, you know we'll how see. creative I am. I always just rob the creativity of others. So, hey, that's number one rule for creativity is forgetting your sources. Oh, that was good. Oh, I this like this one's that. recorded. It's going to be tough. Yeah, it's patent pending. Anyway, you're horrendous. <laughs> so, a couple of things here. We're so thankful. We actually hit a milestone last uh, month on our podcast. We had uh, the most listeners we've ever had, uh, and it, it went over uh, a certain marker. And just say thank you for listening. And uh, as I was, you know, clicking around, looking at some of the cool things that iTunes tells you about your podcast, uh, I did notice that there's a little bit of a discrepancy between the number of people that listen and the number of people who have left us a five-star review. <laughs> we have hundreds of people listening, and we only have 66 five-star reviews. We do have a couple of people who you probably should pray for who left us a one-star and a two-star review. And, you know, if you choose to live your life that way, that's fine with you. But, you know, you can always repent. Uh, but so the, the point of this is, all of you that listen to this, thank you so much. If you have not left us a five-star review with a comment on iTunes, please do that. It's helpful. We, we enjoy seeing your feedback. Um, but then it also, it helps the algorithm. So just if, if you want a five-star, you know, I guess a four-star would be okay too. Uh, if you leave a three, two, or a one-star, we will hunt you down. So, um, <laughs> What do you mean it helps the algorithm? It just, I think the more reviews you have, the, the, it moves up. Other people will see it in yeah. podcasting interfaces. Yep. And so, you know, if we ever wanted to do some bigger things, it's, it's nice to have uh, that backing mm -hmm. behind us. Can, can I just pull the curtain all the way back? Like Wizard of Oz, like completely do it right now. I don't know. You're Every the time you so, say it, I get scared. So, yeah. So w one thing that where this podcast is really helping us as Thinklings mm -hmm. is that as we produce things, as we write things, it is really helpful for a publisher to see that mm. we have a dedicated listenership. And so if we can say, hey, look, you know, we've got X amount of reviews on, you know, and, and there's some some of our guests that have come on the program previously, I, I shared with them you know, who who's listening and like, oh yeah, we definitely want to then uh, be there. So um, all that to say, it's, it's helpful. Yeah. It's helpful yep. in, the, in the long term if you guys leave us a five-star review on Apple uh, and then one more thing, and then we'll uh, start into the regularly scheduled programming. Uh, Dr. Josh Boyd, a uh, friend of the program who's been here multiple times, our resident literature expert here at FBBC, he is starting a new get-together uh, in, uh, it's, it's, very, it's very akin to the Thinklings idea, oh, yeah. which is a group of people getting together, reading good books, and talking about them. He has called it Fundamental Lit, and we're going to get together a handful of times in the spring semester. And uh, at this point, I, I believe we're planning to go through this great books reader, it's some classic works. There's some essays about the works, and we're planning to just read through these things and then get together and talk about them. It's, it's an awesome thing. 
If you want more information about that, your student here at Faith, and that sounds appealing to you, which I'm going to whisper here, it should appeal to all of you. <laughs> all of you should do it. Uh, if it if it appeals to you. All of you who? Everybody. Everyone. Oh. I don't know if they could hear that, but anyway. I think they could. I think I, I need it. Yeah. I think I need to you know, turn your microphone up, Tim. My just, mic? Yeah, just a little bit. Maybe yeah, you, do you really have to, though. They don't really want to hear me. They don't. <laughs> they just want to hear horrendous every once in a while. That's Amen. right. Amen. Exactly. So if you, if you want more information about that, you can email Dr. Boyd at uh, Boyd, B-O-Y-D-J, at faith.edu. He would love to talk with you about yep. that. And uh, I'm sure that the three of us would probably not maybe make every one of them, but we're going to try to uh, be a part of that. And we're hoping to have Dr. Boyd on maybe next week or in the next couple mm-hmm. of weeks to talk about that himself. So, Have you started reading the reader? I have not, okay. because I want to keep it fresh for Fundamental uh, Lit. Okay. I've gotten through, I think, four of the chapters on the different writers. It's been really helpful. Actually, we talked about the first chapter alone being worth the price of the book. Yeah, we, we got we got to do an episode on that. I think we are planning to do that next next semester. Is there's some tips on reading? Oh, in, it's really in good. the beginning of that book that I think is, uh, are, is nice is nice. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. All that being said, uh, there's our five minutes of nonsense. Uh, we've got some Thinklings business to tend to. Books and business. Let's talk about some books. All right, I'll go first. So this is finals week here on the campus where I work, and I'm really busy. And so I have not been doing any really intense reading, but I did finish Wing Feather Book 3. So I've just now started Wing Feather Book 4. I'm a third of the way through it. So I'm not going to say anything that could reveal any plot lines or narratives. I'll, I'll make two comments. Number one, Peterson's just a really good writer. He really is. He has a way of saying things. So there's this line that I just read yesterday. Uh, there's a, a tense moment happening, and one character says, she was surprised that the, I'll say, enemy didn't smash the door to pieces. The very second she had that thought, the enemy smashed the door to pieces. And just the way it was said was just a funny, there's a a- funny quippy moment. There's a door on the tent. Stop. All right, so it's you my said turn. it's an intense moment. Oh, that's. I'm gonna give you three tent emojis for that one. Okay, that was right. good, Charlie. Anyway, that was good. And not I love, yet, Tim. He's got another thing. He's gonna. Yeah, say. I got another thing. The other thing I would say about this is, these books are really good. In that, I think I could. I'm listening to them right now in audiobook, and I think it would be worth when I'm done, definitely going back and reading them through again. I had read another s- series of seven books that. Might give five points to Gryffindor. And uh, I went to try to reread it again, and it was okay. It was okay. It kind of didn't hold my attention. But these, there's layers and layers of stuff in here that I'm not catching. And I really think the second and third time I'm going to catch more. So I really think it's, I think that's the mark of a good book. That's if you why can my, read it my son Daniel, read it over and over. My son Daniel's reading them for the second time. I think that he's really appreciated and valued it too. And as far as that other series that you mentioned, I'm on book two. We're listening to that on Audible right now. I really like them. I thought they were good. Yeah. I it's been fun. The second time through was intriguing. Well, I didn't get through, but so. Anyways, that's all. That's all I got. Okay, so my book today is Re- Rewilding Motherhood. So it's a made-up word, I believe. I've never heard of yes. rewilding. <laughs> Um, that's a made up word. All right. The subtitle is your path to an empowered feminine spirituality. So again, my studies are currently involved with the song of songs and, uh, femininity. So, uh, this book is written by Shannon Evans, Shannon K Evans. 
and is published by Brazos Press, a division of Baker Publishing Group. Um, so she is basically saying, hey, we need to, I mean, it's kind of an interesting word, rewild. When you think of rewild, what do you think of? Well, actually, I think of conservation biology because it actually is a real term that I just looked it up. Oh, no kidding. And it's like taking an area that has been commercialized and then making it wild again. So that's what yeah. I would think of, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what her idea is of femininity is that it is made wild again. Huh. Does that sound like a philosopher, you know, that emphasized nature and just leave things alone and they go mm. back to their original creative yeah. state? Interesting. And, Hmm. kind of a thing so so anyway that's how femininity should be uh that's the path to an empowered feminine spirituality i'm not really a fan of this book um she makes a statement here on page nine we exist within a cultural or often religious ideology that exalts selflessness as the most laudable quality of a mother but this should give us pause. Why do we believe the loss of self is a noble goal? So selflessness is not a noble goal. It, isn't the loss of self the whole point of... Okay, I'm done. So she says then later on, when the selflessness of motherhood above all else is exalted. So she seems to kind of qualify it a little bit here, but then she says value is indirectly assigned to each mother based on how small she can make herself. When you think of making yourself small, what does that sound like? Well, humility? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, okay? And that's a regular theme within our household is that you make yourself small, you be humble, you mm. lift others up, you exalt them. Anyway. It's a, it's a regular theme in your house that you make yourself. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> Little. little oh charlie four emojis on that one we, we we try we try to instill this in ourselves and our children because i believe it's actually a biblical quality a biblical character trait but um miss evans here doesn't believe so the result is not true self-giving but needless martyrdom she sees it as martyrdom instead uh, she has a chapter on following anger so how to uh the redemptive power of outrage so learning to be angry correctly, which I thought, okay, I mean, there is a biblical place for anger. She mentions uh, page 54, we may even be praised when we dig in our heels to advocate for our children, community concerns or certain issues. So she's like, oh yeah, so you get angry when somebody's going to, you know, do something to your kid or whatever. I'm like, okay, I can see that. And she says, the world loves a good mama bear story, does it not? But when we dare to funnel that rage into standing up for ourselves and our own best interest, we just see how quickly physical and metaphorical doors begin to close in our faces. So she's not advocating just an, only an anchor out of, uh, for sin and uh, for uh, protecting those whom you have authority over, like your children, but for your own self-interest. Um, so anyway, I do not give this a Thinkling's rating. Uh, there's some other stuff I could say, but I think we'll just leave it at that. I don't think it meets the Thinkling's goodness scale. She had some helpful things to say on virginity as well and how she is a virgin, mother of five children. I've always wondered how that works, and so she kind of works through that too. Um, it's more of this archetypal idea of capturing yeah. the idea of the powered empowered virgin interesting just like mary you know so she 
since she, it's Christmas time. That was good. She, well claims, well she claims to be a virgin. I don't remember if she, she, well, it's been a long time since I considered myself a virgin. I realized that as the okay. mother of another, enough kids to form my own basketball team, this news will surprise no one. We might come as, what might come as a surprise, however, is that I'm starting to reclaim the concept itself. The more I learn about the history of the world, the more I realize that, that although my, anyway, I'm, I'm living out virginity more truly than ever. Because it's an idea. <laughs> okay. I'll leave it there. <clears throat> well, okay. Huh. So for my book. <laughs> wow. Um, so just a couple thoughts here, which um, talk about reading. So uh, highly recommend. This is the time of year to start thinking about what are you going to read in 2022? And I think this is this is a great time to maybe put a list of things together. Uh, set some goals for yourself and uh, you know go back three years ago I would say I maybe read like five to ten books a year a year and you know I would use books in a spotty sense like I I interacted with tons of commentaries and textual things as I would preach but I wasn't reading a regular habit of reading and a couple of things that really helped me get to that is one setting setting a goals like this this year, I, I set the goal of a book a week, and I hit it. So I'm, I'm well past it, uh, into the 60s now. And uh, it, it definitely, you know, as you sit in December, it feels good to like, it always feels good to meet a goal. So, you know, there's, you know, challenge yourself to read more than you did last year. I didn't start there. I went from five to 10 to like, let's try to get like 25. And then, and then you know, mm. this year was like maybe doubling that to like, you know, 50s, 52, because there's 52 weeks, right? Yes. Not 56. Yeah, because we, yeah. <laughs> we had this discussion. And so another thing that I, you know, I think a lot of people have like a spiritual journal. I actually have a reading journal. And all that is in that journal is a date. And yeah. on that day, the book I read, how many pages I read. And then I, to the, in the left column, I have a wide open circle for when you started a book. And then I have a circle with a star in it when you have finished the book. And it's not perfect, but it's 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 some way for me to kind of remain routine with with your reading. Like it's funny when I like take a couple of days off, which is usually never planned. Like I don't plan to not read, but it happens. And then you go back to like log in your reading journal and you're like, dude, you didn't read anything for three days. You are a bum. And like honestly, <laughs> that's a great kick in the pants for me. Like you know, as much as we talk about like the need to be, you know, the verse that pops in my mind, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed mm. by the renewing of your mind. And I don't think that the, the idea present in Romans 12 there is renewing of the mind is reading books. But I think it is one of many ways, maybe not even the best way, but it's one of many ways that you can set your mind on things above is to read books that remind you uh, indirectly of truth, like a, like a wing feather that tell you exactly what is not truth, like rewilding or, you know, some of the books that I've been reading, which kind of gets you into the sense of a fictional story that are, are, are teaching you to love virtuous things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just re- throw those recommendations out at the end of the year. Like, Hey, do it along with me. My goal next year, I'm going to try. I don't know if it's too much, but I want to try to hit 75. I think that's the the next, you know, seventy five. Just a nice like three quarters, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
three quarters of the way to 100. But uh, so on that note, something I've been reading recently is uh, actually Dr. Boyd recommended this to me with a few, a few others have recommended Peace Like a River by Leif Inger. Mm. And it's a guy from Minnesota. It's a story about a kid in Minnesota. Uh, I would say at this point, what I'd classify it as is you're, there's a heavy Christian tone in it about miracles. And there's a tone of like, what is right, what is wrong? Like some things happen to this family and there's so, some justice elements. And it's kind of how the Christian miracle, you know, that type of an idea in that family is going to intersect with uh, these, these, I'll just, I'll say legal things that are going to be taking place. Mm. And so, um, uh, I, I started reading it, really started reading it on the way back from the big 10 championship game. And it was a wonderful, uh, repose away from oh, yeah. the feelings of a- absolute and utter oh. disappointment. Uh, but it's, oh. so I, I, I'm sorry, wholesale so jumped into the book. So, um, really like it about probably, maybe a quarter of the way at this point through it. So that's, that's what I've been reading. I definitely think it will, will land uh, firmly on the goodness scale when I have completed it. So. How many, do you, th- do you have like a percentage of how many of those you listened to and how many of those you read off, just offhand, off cuff? I think audiobook, uh, probably. So here, here's the fun thing about audiobook is do you count repetitions? Because I'm pretty sure I've listened through oh. multiple <laughs> Narnia books. Yeah. Like, three or four times. Uh, but so I know I've listened through the Narnia and the space trilogy. Uh, I've also listened to, I listened to the first two wing feather books. So I would say of the, I think I'm around like 61, 62, okay. I'd say like maybe 15 audiobooks okay. ish. Uh, but some of those I also read hardcover. It's like I read through the Narnia series okay. as well. Like actual read physical. Yeah. Physical okay. reading. Um, I just started listening to Out of the Silent Planet ooh, on Audible. That's a good one. I forgot that the bad characters have foul mouths. Yes, they do. <laughs> yep. What's What's funny is so, um, which I've also I've actually the Space Trilogy I listened slash read through. I said it mm. really fast and followed along, which is like I don't know what we'd call that. Like maybe maybe like a blended reading. Yeah, we'll call maybe it blended. A nice I like definition that. of how things would go. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so funny thing about, uh, I mean, Audible, uh, there's a lot of cheaper slash, if you have a good library in your community, like Ankeny does, free ways to access audio recordings of books. Uh, there's a lot of free places online, so you don't have to, you know, Audible, use a credit or like sign up for, I do, uh, just because I, I like Audible, you know, but, um, they have a handful of some really good audiobooks that I wasn't aware that they had, and I actually think I got them for free. Ooh. So, like, I don't know what it's called. If you have Amazon Prime, there's, there's like, new subscription services for everything at this point. But Neil Postman, they have Amusing Ourselves to Death. Ooh. They also have Technopoly by Neil oh, Postman. see that one. They also have, are there, uh, uh, what's the name of the book? Let me just. Till We Have Faces? Uh, no, it's. Uh, Is it by Postman? Richard Weaver, oh, ideas, mean, have ideas have consequences. Yeah. That's a um, tough one to listen to. It is a tough. It is, but you know, some. Well, my, a, that was so hard. Technopolis on there, amusing ourselves to death, and ideas have consequences. And I'm pretty sure all three of those I got for free because they're just like open source like recording. Ooh. Um, and then I also uh, I've listened to the Odyssey 
I'm not all the way through the Odyssey, but I've I listened through the Iliad uh, on audiobook. Uh, fall, tried to follow along, and then found out that the recording doesn't like follow Fagel's translation perfectly of the copy that I have, and so I'd actually go from read listening blended reading to mm. um, real reading, and then sometimes I'm just like, well, I'll just listen to what the differences are. But anyway, so yeah, what I'm peace like a river, Leafinger. Uh, Andy, you want to give like a short preview of what's in the episode? Yeah. So this is where I'm going to conclude. Well, I say I'm going to conclude. conclude my contentment series, although I'm, I'm going to reserve the right to come back maybe one more time in the spring. Maybe, I don't know. So here we're going to say, we've talked a lot about contentment this fall, and what we want to do this time is say, what does it look like? That's basically the question we're asking. What does contentment look like? And one of the sources that I was using had a really good um, five characteristics of a contented heart, and so we go through that in this episode, and I think they're all really good. I think we had a pretty good discussion, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm looking at the sound file and it looks like there's maybe about 10 minutes of you walking through those points mm -hmm. and then maybe about like uh, give or take 10 minutes of us kind of bouncing some ideas mm -hmm. back and forth. So oh, yeah, should be good. Yeah, and I will just say if you have not uh, picked something that you want to study and then spend some time over a long period of time studying it, you should really consider doing that. It's been personally very good for me and I think... When you guys have done series, it's been good. So, listener, if there's something you want to study, get out and study it. Let's have a conversation about contentment again. Okay, so so this is going to be the the final contentment that I'm going to do for now. I'm probably going to come back to this in the future, but it might be a while. Um, but I want to wrap up these last few podcasts that I've done on the topic. First of all, I would say um, there's I want to observe what I've experienced for you, the listener, because I think what I've done would be profitable for you, not even if it's not contentment. So what I've done is I primarily worked in four books, uh, and then I had a couple of other maybe little short things I found that I read. And I dug in. They all focused on the same topic. Um, I didn't read every single line in each one of them, but I used all of them pretty extensively. At two, I, I more used heavily. Um, and there's a couple of observations. Number one, uh, as a listener, if you're going to do this, you pick something you want to learn about, there is a reward, there's a benefit for focusing on one thing for an extended period of time. There really is. And I think sometimes in our life we, we read a book on contentment or we read a book on finances or we read a book on holiness or whatever it is, and we're like, okay, I know that now, and we move on to the next thing. And it, you got to remember the multiple admonitions that Peter gives where he's he's happy to remind you to stir up by way of memory. Um repetition is not called, what is it, the handmaiden of learning for no reason. Uh, to repeat things, to master them, to, to really drive them into your soul is going to give you a benefit more than taking one pass at an idea. But in our modern world uh, where we have Diderot his encyclopedia, the idea is that we want all the knowledge. We don't want some of the knowledge deeply. So I would say if there's something you want to know about, Go find a book that's a good and biblical book and read it and, and read it slowly and take notes, set it aside, and then find another book on the same topic and do it again and do it again and do it again. I've been very thankful for this. I'm not saying I'm more content now. I think I'm growing in that. But it's it's helped me to see more of the facets of it. Like if you turned a diamond around, you can see different sides of it. So listener, if you haven't done this, pick something you're interested in and get a couple of books and go for it. 
Um, and then secondly, it's not just that it's been a long time that I've, I think has been helpful. It's that it's been a deeper focus. So, and this is not meaning you have to be like an, uh, an uber intellectual, but to think about something and continue to think about the specifics of that thing and the details of that thing and the other aspects of that thing is really helpful for me. And uh, I, I'm telling you, I feel like I've only scratched the surface, surface of this topic and seeing how it affects our life. Honestly, living in America, I really think this is a topic that's super central and timely. So, uh, so kind of, I want to wrap this up. And so how are we going to wrap it up? Um, so probably, man, if I had to rank the books in order, I don't know. I really liked, um, Thomas Watson's, the art of divine contentment. That's like in the 1600s. It's really good, but it's hard to read. Um, I really enjoyed the secret of contentment by William Barclay. The other book I really enjoyed was chasing contentment by Eric Raymond. Uh, Eric Raymond was a pastor, and he started studying contentment on his own. You can read it in the foreword of it, uh, and then he ended up making a series on it, and it was really helpful. He he said he had a lot of personal growth that happened during that time. The, the What's interesting about Raymond is he primarily leans on Jeremiah Burroughs. And Jeremiah Burroughs is another book from the like 1600s, uh, and that's The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. And both those books would be worth the effort, okay? You could dive into them and your soul would be blessed. Um, Raymond leans heavily on that, but he's got some really good, I wish we had more time. I'll probably, uh, I think I've mentioned the seeing through the shiny wrappers bit. Um, there's just, there's a lot of good nuggets in here, but the way he concludes the book, I thought is a way we could conclude this series. So in his conclusion, he says that Thomas Watson, in his book, he, he has five characteristics of a contented heart. So if you really were contented, these are five characteristics that you would see in your heart. And Raymond uses that to wrap up his book. And I think that's actually a really useful way to wrap this up. So we're just going to look at his five characteristics. And I think that should tie together a lot of what we said. And so what's the big question we're answering in this episode? We're answering, what does it look like to be content? Okay, what does it look like to be content? And here are five characteristics of what it looks like. All right. The first aspect of a contented uh, spirit is a silent spirit. A contented spirit is a silent spirit. Now, this does not mean that if you're content, you're not talkative. Otherwise, I will never, ever be a content person the rest of my life. <laughs> but it, will, it does mean this. Um, it means you're not complaining and you're not murmuring and you're not grumbling. When, when something bad happens, you take it. And so here he, he Watson, uh, Sam, or Thomas Watson references Eli. He says, when Samuel tells Eli the heavy message from God that he would judge his house and that the iniquity of his family should not be purged away with sacrifice forever, does Eli murmur or dispute? Now understand Eli's sons were wicked and they were going to be judged. And so Samuel has said, your sons are going to be judged. And if it, later what happens? They get killed. And when Samuel tells this to Eli, how does Eli respond? Uh, he's, he says, no, he, he doesn't have any word to say against God. He says, it is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him good. Now, if you think about this, this is a father saying, I'm going to trust the Lord even when it comes to the punishment of my sons. That's a really hard thing to not complain about and murmur about. But he was being content. Now, he, Watson compares that to Pharaoh. And, uh, you know, God is uh, punishing Pharaoh. And so he says, who's the Lord? Why should I suffer all this? Why should I be brought into this low condition? Who is the Lord? 
And so you have one guy who, when there's adversity and in both of these situations, the adversity is completely just the one guy says, okay, it's, it's God's will. I'm going to trust him, even though it's his own children. And I don't think it's because he didn't care about his children. I don't think that's it. I think he just knows he needed to trust the Lord and he wasn't going to complain. And that would be very hard. And then the other guy, he's not, he's complaining. He's trying to trick God. It's, it's terrible. So the first aspect of a contented spirit or a contented heart is a quiet spirit. Uh, the second aspect of a contented heart is a cheerful spirit. Now here he, he points out that says, uh, Watson says a contented Christian is more than passive. He doth not bear the cross only, but he take up the cross. Now his point is this, when you are content, it doesn't mean you quit and you just sit there like a bump on a log when bad things happen. You actively bear them. And so if you think about Romans 12, your life becomes a sacrifice. And it's not like you go looking for the sacrifice, but when the time comes, you actively pick it up trusting the Lord. And that's really interesting to think about going through adversity that God is allowing you to experience and actively trusting him and actively being content by bearing it. But that was a really interesting way to think about it. Um, Watson quips, uh, God loveth the cheerful giver. God also loves a cheerful liver. <laughs> like, not your liver in your body, but like someone who lives. So the idea is that w- when you're content with Christ, there is an aspect of cheerfulness. There really is. Even in the midst of difficulties and suffering, if you're content in the Lord, you know he's doing something. You know he's in control. You know he's sovereign. So I thought that was good. So silence, as in like we're not complaining. Cheerfulness, as in we, we love the Lord and we're serving him actively. Uh, the third characteristic is a thankful spirit. Uh, scripture reminds us to give thanks in everything. First Thessalonians 5.18, uh, Raymond says. Uh, he goes on to quote numerous passages that talk about thankfulness. I think if you go back to our Thanksgivings episode in season one, we talk all about that thankfulness is a mark of a Christian. And if you think about it, ask yourself this question. Could you be thankful and discontent in your experience, in your circumstances? Could you be thankful and discontent in what God's giving you right now? You really can't. A mark of contentment is that you are thankful. Uh, fourth, a uh, contented heart is not bound by circumstances. I think this is the one we hit pretty hard in our first session. In Philippians 4.12, Paul says, in whatever the circumstance I'm in, I can be content. And so a mark of having a contented heart is that whatever your circumstances, you can be content in the Lord because of Christ. And then lastly, number five. And this one, ooh, this is going to be right between the eyes, I think. A contented heart will not avoid trouble by means of sin. I will not avoid trouble by means of sin. This one, I, I thought that's a really good point. If you think about it, so many times you go through something difficult or there's something that's unpleasant or something that's undesirable or you don't like or it's hard or difficult and you want to avoid it because you're not content actually. And how do you avoid it? By laziness, sin. By finding another pleasure that's unbiblical, sin. By deceiving, and maybe it's something you're supposed to do and you deceive someone to think you've already done it so you don't have to, sin. It's really interesting that sometimes when we sin, the sin is the issue. It is. Whatever the issue, whatever the sin you're committing is, it is the issue. But actually, deep down, 
if you look at why you sin that way, it was probably because you weren't content. So I think of, uh, I think of like the, the person who plays video games all the time. What if you're playing video games that aren't violent, don't have sexual impurity, they're just sports games, okay? There's nothing inherently sinful about those. But all you do is play video games all the time. You're, you're actually avoiding God's way he designed you to work, to provide, to be a creative being, to be a working being, just like he worked when he created and then he rested. You are to work, bear his image. You're avoiding that because you don't want it because you're discontent. It was really worth considering. Uh, Watson makes the point this way. A contented Christian will not remove till as the Israelites he sees a pillar of cloud and fire going before him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. That's quoting Lamentations 3.26. Then he goes on to say, it's good to stay God's leisure and not to extricate ourselves out of trouble till we see the star of God's providence pointing out a way to us. Now, I think he's, he's taking the idea that God led the Israelites and they followed him. But I think his point is okay. He's saying that if you're in the midst of trouble and you don't see a way out, it may be that God's calling you to suffer. And if you go to second, or First Peter chapter 2 and 3, you're going to see that suffering is part of the Christian life. And to avoid unpleasantness or avoid things you don't like by means of sin, no matter, I mean, even if you don't like it, that's not the way to do it. And so being content means I don't sin to get myself out of those situations I don't like. So maybe I should, uh, should not close the book and I should review those. So here are the five. Uh, a, a contented heart is a silent heart. It doesn't complain. It's a cheerful heart. It's uh, pleased and having a good attitude. It's a thankful heart. It is thankful to God, and no matter what the circumstance. It's a heart not bound by circumstances, so your contentedness does not depend on your earthly circumstance. And lastly, a contented heart does not avoid trouble or difficulty by means of sin. So let's talk about that. What do you guys think? Give me some thoughts. Yeah, there's a lot of really good points there. Um, when I think of contentment, I mean, my mind is automatically drawn to Ecclesiastes, but I might throw a curveball in there okay. and go to the Time New out. Testament. <laughs> Time out. Right before we started recording this episode, Tim's like, well, Andy, if uh, if you talk about contentment and then you ask us what we think, Charlie's going to go to Ecclesiastes. That's right. I'm giving it to you, man. I'm going to go to the New and Testament. Then you did it. <laughs> I just said my mind's automatically drawn there. Okay. I'm not going to go to Ecclesiastes. You can do that if you want. You just did, though. Ecclesiastes 2.24. No, I'm not doing that. All right. So First uh, Timothy 6. When I've spoken on Ecclesiastes, I often go to First Timothy at the conclusion because um, some people, I think, have a misperception that uh, what Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is teaching is not relevant for New Testament believers. But the same truth is taught in First Timothy 6. First Timothy 6.6 6 is a key verse when it comes to contentment. Now, godliness with mm. contentment yes. is great gain. Uh, that's not the verse I actually really want to focus on, but there's great truth, of course, in that verse. Godliness, okay, being holy and set apart to the Lord and being content. Uh, this is really just a summary of the Christian life, right, in that verse. Um, but later on, he talks about riches and being wealthy and the connection with uh, contentment. And it is in verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, 
nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Um, and we are we are rich people. We live in a rich country, and we enjoy many blessings that uh, previous generations only dreamed of. Uh, and, and these are blessings that our good God has given us. And he's given us these things to enjoy them. And it connects with your point about being thankful. Um, our response to blessing needs to be, thank you, Lord. The God who's given is the God who can also take it away. First Timothy 6.17, riches are uncertain. They should not be trusted in. They, are, they come and they go, and they can be easily lost. Our faith needs to not be in them. But if God so inclines to bless us and to give us wealth and to give us um, um, possessions, then our response needs to be exactly what I think it was Raymond said. We thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of wealth. Yes, I see others who have more wealth than me, but I have way more wealth, especially being in America, that many others have or don't have. And so thank you, Lord. Thank you for these blessings. Thank you for giving them to me. Help me to be a good steward of them. And as a good steward of them, if you choose to take them away, may I still continue to praise you, to thank you for the blessings that you have given, and to continue to trust you and you alone. So those are kind of just some thoughts that I had as I thought about the practical implications of contentment. Yeah, and it's you, you just mentioned the word, and we talked about it a few weeks ago, uh, being a, a good steward and... Uh, how money, wealth, and why does contentment always get wrapped into an issue of wealth? You know, there's a lot of other things you can be discontent with. It's not, it has nothing to do with, I mean, you could be poor and really discontent. Yep. You'd be, well, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you're discontent with that. But right. anyway, so um, money's a great servant, but it's a horrible master, mm -hmm. uh, as with many things. And um, what does it look like to be? Completely, and so the I like number four. Uh, contentment is disconnected from circumstance, mm -hmm. and and the way you think about it is that if your joy is preceded by and then mm -hmm. you're not really joyful. Mm. Yes. If this would happen, then I'd be joyful. Yeah. Then I'd be content. Yep. That's not contentment uh, because you you you're building on that circumstance, and that's not that's not the point. Like it's uh, you're not content regardless of your circumstance. You're content because you're getting what you want. And okay, so all of a sudden you don't have that. Well, now, you know, Pastor Saucer always is like, well, if that person wouldn't have said that to me, it would have been a great day. Well, <laughs> really? I mean, uh, you know, this is what Pascal's saying in the Ponce. Like, like you think your life's great, but it's only because you have all these things. The Ponce. The Ponce. Have we talked about that on the podcast before? Yeah, it's like the third of the five episodes on content, con contentment. Okay. So. But anyways, keep going. I remember us talking about that a really long time, time ago. <laughs> yeah. It was probably like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But, but it, no, you're, like you're, pre, you're right. Pre-podcast discussion. No, that was one of the original Thinklings meetings we yeah, had. Yeah, way back yeah. in the day. So yeah, anyway, that was my thought, was um, having a, a contentment that's disconnected. It's yeah. not contentment if it isn't disconnected from my circumstances. Yes. Yeah. It's and inherently. if your contentment is connected to you getting what you want, it's not contentment, it's indulgence. Yeah. Ooh. Or like ratification Ooh. of your flesh. That's and good. So, That's quality right there. Um, 
quality with a K. Mm. Yeah, um, you know, you're right about it's not just <laughs> no, no, it's really good. I was, I was making quality it. with a K. No, but it's like re- that was really a good way to say it. That was a good way to capture it's indulgence. It. It's uh-huh. indulgence. There's a there's a line in Green Ember when uh, when uh, Pickett it, he made his big mistake. I'm not gonna tell you what it is, and he's having self pity. And someone comes in and says, "We don't have the time to for indulgence right now. You can't in, be indulgent in self pity." You need to stand up and do your work. And the idea is that when you're self, when you're having self pity, you're like indulging in what feels good. And it's it's a it's a it's, discontent that I made a mistake and now I have to bear it. It's a really perceptive thought. Trying probably. to decide if I want to like take us from a spiritual moment nope. to like what I was actually thinking about. <laughs> but when you're like, wow, that was, the, you, the way you said that was really good. I thought of this character from this TV show. Why many words when few words do trick? <laughs> <laughs> if you know what that is. I don't even I'm know sorry for leading you astray. But, so uh, connecting with oh. <laughs> contentment and riches and how it's yeah. more than riches and even relationships. Yeah. Whether there is a relationship or not a relationship, a singleness, or even the relationship that God has given you, a mm-hmm. spouse. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Being content with yep. the spouse that God has given you. And um, there's there's a lot of sanctification. I especially really liked what you connected it to just... How discontent reveals the sin of our own hearts, Charlie. That's a Ooh, great that was, part. Okay, so right early on, I th- I'm glad you said something that triggered my mind to this. So like you're talking about, you know, we read something about holiness, and then we're like, oh, I've got it, and then we go on to something yeah. else. And we, yep. And the like one pass at a topic. Yeah, and you can you can focus on so many of those things, and it's like you you think you have them, but you really don't. And then when you go back to look at the other one, it's like, oh wow, I'm not really doing great with that. And so the question that popped into my mind is, have you ever seen someone at like a sporting event where they're like, there's like someone up on like a, it's like a unicycle or like kind of like, they're they're balancing all these plates. And oh, yeah. Usually mm-hmm. like high up in the air. Maybe like circuses aren't really a thing anymore, but I remember seeing it at a circus like a long time. And it's like, how do I balance all of those plates? Yes. So like, okay, here's contentment and thankfulness and joy and love and peace and patience, you know, all those fruits, mm-hmm. which, you know, Someone would be like, you know, you, you visualize me like pushing glasses up my nose while I say this. Well, actually, it's not the fruits of the spirit; it's fruit singular. <laughs> well, then he lists a bunch of things. Okay, so there's multiples. Okay, um, guess what's in a bouquet? Multiple flowers. Okay, and every time I hear a preacher say that, I'm like, okay, what, what are we doing here? Like, but I get it. I get it. It's a singular. The, it's the fruit of the spirit yeah. and the grammar. But then he, he lists. Well, it's like a bunch of grapes. There's like a bunch of grapes on the bunch. They all work together. Yeah, they, they, they're together. But um, and so, but how do you do that? And the, the thought that popped in my mind is, you're not chasing after to use your yes. Title. Yep. You're not chasing after these virtues that are separate. You're being conformed to the image of Christ. Yes. And so yes. if you just focus on, I want Christ to be produced in me, I want to be made like him, and you're yielding to the Spirit, and that transformation is happening, that's how you balance all of them. Because you cannot be Christ-like and drop a plate. Like, if you, you're not, the way I say it to students all the time is, if you have the Spirit of God, you can't screw it up. Yep. Like, if you're filled with the Spirit, it's like, yep. you're filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, and that, that, you know, that can change really quickly. But and and that goes right along with Philippians four, where the the basis of Paul's contentment 
isn't that he's chasing this fruit or chasing this fruit or chasing this fruit. It's not that he, his circumstances changed. His, the basis is Christ, which I would say is probably the spirit of Christ that's been working in him. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, Tim, you mentioned riches, and it was intriguing to me. The, the verse that came to my mind was Ephesians 4.28. So if you're in Ephesians 4, it's a classic sanctification passage, but put off, put on, renew your mind. It's a historic thing that's happened, and now you're presently doing, you're kind of presently participating in that. And he says, let the thief no longer steal. So that's your like thing you should be putting off. It's part of your old life. But rather let him labor doing an honest work with his own hands. And then he, so that's like the put on. And then when he gives the reason, he says, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So like the riches, if God's blessed you with wealth, it's not so you can hoard it and be content in the wealth. It's actually so you can bless other people who need it. So, mm-hmm. And then even in your, you, you quoted First Timothy 6, and I never made it there, but that's like a central passage that I am remiss for not mentioning. But he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. And it goes on in verse 7 to say, for we brought nothing into the world, mm-hmm. and we cannot take anything out of the world. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that's just highlighting your contentment can't be based in this world it has to be otherworldly so all right any other final thoughts that's great so listener i would i would recommend any of these books to you um and i would recommend a really slow uh study of the topic of contentment and honestly it'll at times it'll it'll feel hard and it'll be painful and at times you'll see things in yourself you may not have known but the 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 beauty and the payoff of understanding this, it's going to renew your mind. It's going to be a thought that's going to help you to think more biblically. And I really think you'll you'll be surprised at all of the facets of your life that will be affected uh, by finally, maybe for the first time, deeply starting to understand uh, the topic of contentment. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.